When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. Man, it's been a couple weeks since I've uploaded because I've been in Australia so I just want to give a shout out to everyone in Australia that had come out and supported me uh, on our Australian tour with my friend Forrest Mickey. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, what a beautiful country, beautiful people. I uh, can't say enough about it. I've said this before on this podcast, seminars are this whole beast of my career that I really enjoy the most because I get to help so many people at once. And it gives me an opportunity to really shine through in, in ways that I can't maybe if I'm working privately or if I'm working online. And so it just really uh, fires me up and it gives me an opportunity to fulfill that itch of, of helping people. And so thank you guys so much. I'm trying everything I can in my own world to make my seminars something very special uh, for everybody involved, and uh, I'm going to be focusing a lot on that over the next couple of years, just making that the best experience I can going outside of the box and making it uh, really something special. So thank you guys so much for coming out. It was amazing. We will be back, probably not next year, but maybe the year after. Uh, it's a big trip, but uh, it was amazing. So thank you. I also want to give a quick shout out to all the people who uh, tagged me in your year recap of Spotify's podcast. Uh, many of you had me on the number one uh, for listening to me, and I did see some of those, and I appreciate that as well. At the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering your questions. If you guys have questions you want me to answer specifically, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave a review in the or leave your question in the review. If you're listening to this on Spotify, same thing. Today's episode is going to be talking about one thing that every dog owner struggles with. And I've been making these straightforward, simple 
podcast the last couple times and you guys seem to be really liking them. Uh, I am going to have more guests on and talk to more dog owners uh, later uh, or early next year. Anyway, this podcast is going to be about getting your dog to come back to you. Oftentimes, dog owners really struggle with this, and I'm going to go over why that happens and how to overcome it at home. So if you have a dog, which you do, likely, that's why you're listening to this, and you're having a hard time with them coming back to you. You have to think that you are probably not that valuable to your dog. You're probably not that fun to your dog. You're probably not that exciting to your dog, considering all the things out there for our dogs to get into. So there's really two big pillars where people fail with recall. The first one is they, dog owners, yourself, you guys will recall your dog and you'll half-ass it in the beginning. So that means you say, hey dog, come, come, come. Say it a couple of times and they come towards you and they start walking towards you or they run towards you and they fly past you or they stop and they stop kind of near you, but they look at you, whatever the case is, they don't actually recall fully to you. And this is a problem. The reason why it's a problem is because you're not really giving your dog an expectation of recall. And for most people, recall is to get the dog back to you for their safety because there's something out there like another dog or an animal or a car or whatever. And or it's because you want to leash your dog up to go somewhere else or you want to leash your dog up in general or whatever the case is to move your dog to another place. So oftentimes we just have this kind of half-assed recall introduced to our dogs. We're like, hey, come near me. And the dog does that. And we're okay with that. So that's the mistake everyone makes is they introduce the recall as this half-assed kind of deal where they're like, you're happy with the dog just coming in your direction, but they don't come right towards you. The other reason why that happens is because when you do that, you're pulling your dog away from something they really enjoy doing. So they're off leash, they're playing, they're running around, uh, they're being dogs, whatever the case is, and you say, dog, come, and every single time that you recall your dog to you, you pull your dog out of a really fun situation. So you're conditioning the dog to, to, meet, to, to understand and to condition that when you say, hey, dog, come, they come to you and you leave that really fun environment. So there's ways to break. So there's that's natural. These are things that, again, everyone struggles with. They, they don't have a good recall. And I grew up my life with my dogs all pretty much off leash uh, for the most part. We just didn't, it wasn't anything that we did. I mean, our dogs were always off leash. They just walked with us. They came back. They just knew the hand that fed them and they stuck around. I mean, that was just the relationship that we've always had. I've always had with dogs. Even, you know, when I get out in a busy place, my dog Lakota will jump out off leash and people are looking at me like, oh God, and I would too. If I saw a dog jump out of a car, I'd be, I would assume that they're probably going to run away, but I just do my thing. And she just looks at me and she waits for me to do the next thing. And that's just the relationship I have with my personal dogs and always have, I guess that's why maybe I do what I do. And so I want you guys to have that relationship, but there's training and relationship. And those are two separate things. I never trained her once to do any of that. That's our relationship, which is entirely different which if we have time later on in the podcast, I will talk about. So when you're reintroducing your recall, uh, what you want to do is let's say you have your dog out. First thing you need to understand outside of the two pillars is 
you have to start off on a long line. You have to start off on some piece of equipment that can reach your dog from a distance. Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to teach your dog to come with, come to you when you say, right? Your dog's going to do what they've always done, which is A, not come at all, or B, they will come when they feel like it, or even C, they'll half-ass it. They'll come halfway and then go back. And so it's important to have that leash on to guide them through the process. So dogs out on a long line, I typically use just a, I don't use flexies as much because they kind of get tangled and all that bullshit, but I typically will have a long line, uh, 15 to 20 foot, 30 foot gets a little in the way for most people. And you can literally do this with anything. You can do it with a long piece of rope that you bought and then stick a carabiner at the end if you, if you really want to, but you can buy the long lines anywhere. Dogs out. What you want to do is get high reward food on you or high reward in general. So a ball, a Frisbee, if your dog isn't food motivated or doesn't like uh, toys, it's going to be a little harder. So just get creative with what your dog likes. Because I've heard people say, oh, my dog is not food motivated, but they're giving them stale old kibble that's been in their treat pouch for two weeks. And I'm like, yeah, no crap. I wouldn't want that either if I was a dog. So you have to get creative. And when you get creative, again, you have to go the extra distance to make sure your dog doesn't know that that's on you before you go out because your dog's probably just going to sit in front of you and lick their lips. So if you're going to use chicken or steak or anything like that, my suggestion is before training, cut it up, put it in your bag, uh, in the fridge. And then when you go out, you have it and the dog doesn't know you have it. Cause you really want to jackpot your dog for coming back to you and making sure that they understand that when they do come back to you, they get paid heavily. So you get your dog out, you got your food, you got your toy, whatever you say dog come and when they don't come then you'll pop the leash now this is a really really big piece to this because something i've been talking about for years and it's not even talking about it's 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 actually in person you guys have seen this so many times and that's why i really like this opportunity to to do this podcast because it gives me an opportunity to unpack things mentally and so That is a big, big piece to people's training is we tell a dog to do something that they know, hey, I want your attention. I want you to come to me. And the dog just says, no, I don't want to. And we're going to get into what if your dog doesn't know recall at all in the the minute, because if you're listening to this and you've never introduced it or you haven't done it yet, I'll get into that in one sec. But typically, Fido, come here, whatever. The dog will know, okay, mom or dad wants my attention. And then the moment that they don't come, you need to make sure that you hold the dog accountable and give them a little correction. Because what's what's going to happen is if we look at the way to go the other way where we don't correct the dog, you're enabling and giving the dog an opportunity to blow you off and to recall to you on their dime whenever they feel like it, which is... Again, I've been an animal control officer. I've been professionally working with dogs now for a while, and I can tell you that that is really dangerous to do. It's not about you being right or wrong or whatever you believe in. It's about putting your dog into danger. So we say, hey, dog, come. If they don't, we pop the collar, we pop the leash. Whatever leash and collar setup that you're using, again, you just have to have a long line. I don't care what collar you're using. You have to get the dog's attention. You have to give them accountability for blowing you off, right? So... You pop the collar, you pop the leash, and then what you want to do is you want to make yourself a target. So you're going to ba- you're gonna arch your shoulders a little bit like you're bending down. You're going to back up, 
and you're going to verbally reward the dog. Yes, good come, good come. You're going to invite the dog to you with your body and your voice, kind of reeling them in. And then if you have my No Bad Dog treat pouch, you can do a couple little squeaks, again, just to really get them targeted to you. And then you can, once they get close, you raise your shoulders up, you stand up straight, asking them for a sit in front of you, and then you pay them, and then you break them. That is the process in which you're going to do. So most people, here's the mistakes that you make, because it sounds super easy. And I know you might be thinking like, oh, a whole podcast on recall, but you'd be surprised how many dogs out. I bet if you went out right now and asked people to recall their dog in a dog park, I bet over 80%, eight out of 10 people wouldn't get a good recall, I would say. Anyway, so a lot of people, what they do, the first thing is they don't hold the dog accountable. So they go, dog come, the dog says, nope, dog come, nope, dog come, nope, dog come, nope, dog come. And that is just in itself the best way to ruin your relationship with your dog in the beginning. Uh, And then, so they don't hold the dog accountable. They just, they plead with the dog over and over again. The dog finally comes 10 minutes later and you're like, oh, look, they did it. Yay. Yeah. Okay. And then when the, and then when the dog starts coming, a lot of people will stand like a statue and they don't say anything. So you have to remember that when your dog is away from you sniffing rabbit poop, other dogs, grass, birds, whatever, you're like, hey, I want you to come back to me no matter what you're doing. And that is going to be problematic for many reasons. So you just have to make sure that holding the dog accountable and inviting the dog into you once they turn to you. So the moment that they turn towards you and start to come to you, you lower your shoulders, you drop, you backpedal a little bit. Yes, good come, good come. They get in front of you, pay them, and then we break them. And the other reason why dog owners don't have a good recall as well is because you're not compartmentalizing the recall behavior. What that means is when you recall your dog, that should be one behavior as a sit is one behavior, as a down is one behavior, as a place is one behavior. It shouldn't just be what it normally is for most people. The dog looks at you, starts walking towards you, and then runs the other way. Or the dog runs past you, or the dog plays this zoomy game with you. That's not what recall is. That's dangerous. And I know it may be cute and funny and silly sometimes, but from a professional standpoint, it's dangerous. You're enabling and giving your dog an opportunity to just screw off when you need to come back. And when you're dealing with, again, cars, other dogs, snakes, whatever the case is for you and why you're recalling your dog, or you just want to leave the freaking park, or you want to just load your dog up because you got to go somewhere. These are all, these are all really bad things to, to do. So again, accountability, paying your dog properly, re- inviting your dog in, and then breaking your dog after. So when they come all the way to you, I typically put dogs in sits, but some people don't. So you can break your dog after your dog sits in front of you or you break your dog until they or until you until you want to release them so if they're next to you if they're in front of you but they're not sitting that's fine it's it's your call it's discretionary and then you break the dog but don't let your dog come basically tag you and then run away because that's that's the problem is that's what so many people deal with is the dog literally comes checks in then bounces and that's that's not good and again the reason why you've probably accumulated that bad behavior is because you've never done the three things that I'm talking about right now or more. Like you never held the dog accountable. You always started off leash. Bad idea. You never targeted yourself to make it fun to invite your dog to you and then paid them heavily. 
And then three, you never really compartmentalize what the recall command is. And so you just have to have that break or that release after. And so if you don't have recall at all, the best way, the easiest way to introduce that with any dog is to simply do the things I'm already saying, except you're going to, the only difference is, is you're going to start off in a undistracted environment, like completely clinical white room type thing. So I guess best case scenario for most of you is just in your house with no other dogs around. So you would uh, still keep your dog on a leash likely. Uh, that's what I would do. The dog's away from you. You're hanging out in your kitchen. You're sitting at a table. You're sitting on a chair, whatever it is. Dog come. They come and find you. Yes, you pay them and then break them. Uh, and th th that's how you would start that if your dog doesn't know recall. So the other important thing to both of these introductions is making sure that you do not overdo it. So a lot of times people will do the recall seven, eight, nine, ten times in a training session. And the reality is, is your dog, it, 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 you're going to be the boy or girl who cried wolf, if you will. So the dog is going to come to you and then you're going to pay and then the dog's going to go away. The dog is going to come to you, you're going to pay and blah, blah, blah. So you, you don't want to overdo it. I mean, a good recall should happen when you're out in reality three, you know, two or three times, I'd say. You let the dog off leash, they're running around, you see something, you say, hey, come, they come to you, you pay them. Uh, so anyway, so you want to randomize it. So randomizing the recall with the long line. So every now, don't get in the habit of the dog walking away, recalling the dog walking away, recalling. Let the dog get into stuff, make it realistic, let the dog go. And then the other thing that you can do is, again, randomize uh, like where you're going to do it as well. So just when you're, if you're doing this inside, if you're doing it in your yard, you don't want to wait for the dog to get into a routine is my point. And you don't want to overdo it. Don't ask your dog to do it a hundred times because towards the end, it's going to get really sloppy. Do it for me. It's like two or three great ones. And then I end the exercise. The dog can do whatever they want, but you just want to make it short and sweet for your dog. And so those are, those are some mistakes. Those are some things to introduce it. And the important thing is, is just, again, when you guys are doing this, and this goes really with anything, is make sure that when you're introducing this, you guys know your dog's level, I don't. So if you say, oh, this is going to be easy environment or hard environment, make sure you start off with a good understanding of the verbal behavior cue before you guys are doing this out into the real world. So if you're like, oh, my dog is okay at this, like don't go around a bunch of other dogs oh, my dog is great at this, then maybe you can challenge your dog uh, around other dogs or really heavy distractions. Or if your dog doesn't know it at all, you want to start inside. That's really the biggest problem most people have with anything in life. We talked about this on leash pulling. We talked about this with behavior. Don't bite off more than you can chew. If your dog isn't ready for it, you're going to fail regardless of if they know it or they don't. The other big interesting thing I see a lot of dog owners do that troublesomes their uh, recall or even the out in some cases is they ask the dog to do this huge circus after. So literally when you recall your dog and they get to you, don't hold them there captive and hostage because that's why they didn't want to come to you in the first place. When your dog comes to you, break them out, give them what they want immediately. So you say dog come, they come to you, they do a sit or they are in an arm's length away from you. I personally would suck the dog in with food right in front of me and then teach that sit, kind of like an implied behavior. And then, yep, yes, break. And then I break the dog out. Go have fun. Try not to get in a habit of recall, 
down, sit, stay, because then the dog is clocked in. And when you're doing recall, I want you to look from the the dog's point of view, which is really helpful when you're training dogs, is you're telling that animal to come away from all the cool stuff that we talked about earlier. And so when their split decision is like, oh, I heard them say come, they're again sniffing these things. And so if you, you don't want that memory or that cognitive backing of the dog thinking about the last time that they did this and remembering, oh, last time I recalled to mom and dad, they made me stay there for five minutes doing this circus. And this chunk of whatever uh, is really smelly and I really don't want to leave. Or are they going to say, oh, I'm just going to go check in really quick because A, I get punished if I don't, or B, I get, and or B, I get paid when I go, and then I'll come right back to this. And that's the mindset you want your dog to be in when you're training. That's the mindset you want your dog to be in anytime that you're doing anything is you just want the dog to go, oh, I'm going to do this. And then I'm, and then you might say, no, we're leaving, but that's not their call or their ability to decipher. And that's why you want to randomize your recalls. That's exactly why I was saying that. And then just to give you perspective, to reiterate what I was talking about, accountability, don't do this without the ability to hold the dog accountable. This will ruin your training. I've I've seen it ruin training before. It's not, I shouldn't say it could ruin all training because I don't know that. I've just seen it hundreds, maybe thousands of times ruin training. We see dog come, they don't. We just yell and scream. It, you, you're diluting the cue. So you're diluting what it means because you've said it. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So many times and the dog is choosing when they respond and or your relationship over time will also faulty to the same thing. We'll do the same thing with sit. We'll do the same thing with down. We'll do the same thing with stay. And so don't do that. Make sure you immediately hold your dog accountable so they know that when they are asked to do the behavior, they know that they have to do it and they get it done and then they can go back to play and do all that stuff. I think the transition, I mean, easy, pretty straightforward guys, but the transition um, from going on leash to off leash is a tough one. So I want to go through that because some of you guys might be in that gray area or some of you may have made the step to go off leash, but maybe shouldn't have because now you're failing. So you want to make sure that the dog has a good understanding of the behavior. So when you say dog come, they come to you regardless of what you have in your hand, regardless of the drawbacks that you're doing in the tunnel and the targeting that you're doing, your dog just comes to you. So you need to make sure whenever you're doing any behavior, it doesn't matter if it's place or recall or a long distance down or stay or whatever, you have to make sure that your dog will do the whole sequence without any pressure, without any guidance from you and or without any accountability uh, in the beginning, because the accountability in the beginning is, is, is a very, uh, easy thing for dogs to do. Again, they're sniffing something valuable, maybe a $10 bill. And then you're like, Hey, come over here. I might have something for you. And they're like, nah, I'm done. I'm not going to do that. So in the beginning, you have to say there is accountability and enforcement behind what I say. You can't just blow me off. That's terrible way to live. 
and then off and then after the fact it's also just teaching the dog oh i have to respond and that's the beauty of that balance that we try to implement into to the dog's long term and so when you're developing this recall and you have that gray area again long line do this for a week to two weeks depending on the dog depending on how much you practice of course because that matters like i tell people all the time like oh this should take a week but you're doing it for 5 minutes one time. Well, you have to do it every day for a week is what I mean. So when your dog is out and you're getting dog come and they come to you, uh, that's great. You want all of that without, uh, the, I guess, accountability, but without leash pressure is a good way. And you want to do it without any rewards on you. And you want to consistently do that maybe for a couple of days. You say, come, the dog's like, yep, I know what that is. They come to you. You you pay them verbally. Yes, good job. You maybe give them some rubs. Okay, break. And then I think my test specifically, if you're not going to do e-collar, e-collar is obviously like the next cream of the crop, final touches. That is your ability to literally plug your dog into a computer and train them via technology, which is probably a different conversation, which I have said on this podcast a bunch, but, uh, and maybe I'll just make another like introduction to e-collar as well, but. The other thing that you want to do uh, when you're transitioning, not going to the e-collar, but transitioning from the long line to no line, is you want to make sure that before you drop that leash, or or let the dog off leash, I should say, is you want to make sure that you're doing this with distractions, because this is where your accountability is going, this is where people fail, most people fail at, at this point, is once your dog is, let's say, there's a fence and there's another dog or a sheep or a horse on the other side of the fence or whatever your dog fancies. And you say, come, like once you start building up that callus of, okay, super easy, a little bit hard, okay, pretty hard, and then the most distracting you can get, and you guys can decide what that is, that's where the accountability is going to come into place. Because I love dogs too much to be naive to their primal instinct of I want to go play with this dog or I want to go fight this dog or I want to go chase this horse or this deer or this kangaroo or whatever. That's a problem. And you will face that. And that's where a lot of people probably clicked on this uh, podcast today because they're probably like, hey, my dog chooses to blow me off and just chase everything else out. And it's a nightmare. I'd love to have my dog off leash. Again, development from the steps we've already talked about. But once you start getting into that harder scale of distractions, really what it comes down to is currency. That's all it comes down to. And uh, the currency and accountability, I should say. So you say, come, they're on a fence. They see another dog. They say, no. If your accountability and your correction or or, or whatever you're using for that is not greater than what they're doing, you're likely not going to overcome it you can desensitize and you can work on it and i'm talking to like real dog owners out there that are struggling i'm not talking about somebody that has six months to work on what if i'm talking about if my dog doesn't respond i want them to know that there is consequences because their life depends on it and so that's really important to me i've seen dogs get killed right in front of me because people just assume that they've practiced recall without these heavier distractions or They've practiced recall with the idea that the dog is going to choose their food and not using a correction. And I've seen dogs in my face die because of that. And I don't want to be morbid or or dark, but that's what allows me to really give you guys advice that not only is my opinion, but it's also just been my experience. And so again, being a dog control officer, the amount of dogs that literally I have to pull out from fenders because of this is more than I'd like to, to share or even think about. So 
it's important for you guys to understand that information and learn from those mistakes. That accountability is really important. Your dog has to know that if they blow you off because they see something that they're more interested in, and you could have the bun- the bouncy, happy-go-lucky boxer and or lab or whatever that just wants to run around and just kiss everybody, but there's also a car that's coming 50 miles per hour. That's deadly. Or you could have the dog that is a little, can be a little snarky, a little cheeky, or a little aggressive and takes off and tries to fight another dog. Either way, it's a lose lose situation for you. So, in the back of your dog's head, you have to make sure that they know that there is consequences if they decide to blow you off. And so, that is that, um, I think that necessary gap that I've, I've experienced with dog owners is they're not pushing the boundaries on leash because the leash holds the dog accountable unless you're doing remote collar work. So the dog is away from you. And let's say you have like um, a martingale collar or prong collar on or something. Um, You recall the dog. The tension is not in the leash. You have to make sure that you're not putting tension on the leash. You say, dog, come. And if they don't, you need to correct and snap the leash to get their attention, to correct them away from what they're doing and, and ultimately correct them for not listening. Because again, that's deadly. I personally just take that very seriously. I, I, my life, my dog's life, my client's dog's life depend on it. And so there's, and you guys can decipher between your own world of what you do. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just here to help what works. So if you say, Hey Tom, I used, um, this collar or this harness or this gentle leader and it didn't work. That just means that your dog doesn't care. The correction is not as meaningful as what they're into. So whatever they're sniffing or whatever they're interested in is more valuable than the correction that you're adding and or the the food or reward system that you have back on you, on your person's like your ball or your toy. So it's important to also, again, I've seen people do this. The dog is out on a long line. You say, come, they say no. And we're just pulling on them, pulling them and pulling them. And they're ignoring you. You have to do something that works. You have to do something that is actually useful. It'd be the same thing with literally guys, anything that we do in life. Like you want to clean up, uh, something on a window and you're spraying stuff and then you're wiping and nothing, you it doesn't come off. You're not going to sit there and go, you're not going to sit there for all day because that product and that that tool and that equipment is not working. You're going to say, okay, I need something else. I did that a couple summers ago where I spilled grease on my patio and it went into the concrete. And I literally ordered 10 different like concrete oil pulling things that I could on Amazon until I found something at work and I just ditched everything else. So that's the other really important thing that I see dog owners struggle with overall in general, not just with recall is they're trying to hold their dog accountable or trying to punish their dog and it just doesn't work. And that's that goes both ways in the spectrum. That goes with not only does it work, your dog doesn't care about it, or it's too much. And now you're 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 potentially damaging your relationship with your dog because you're confusing your dog and it's too heavy for your dog. So you just have to make sure your dog cares about it and it matters and it makes sense and it clicks. So that's a really important piece as well to recall. Um So anyway, that's how you start that process of teaching your dog recall. And it does take time because you got to remember you're pulling your animal away from something they really enjoy. And uh, I think the next step for most people, if you're interested in having that full, so that accountability that I was talking about, long line, collar on the dog, Fido come, the dog doesn't, you pop the collar, the dog comes back. That is virtually what the remote collar does, except it's a half a mile wireless tool. That's it. 
The only thing that you have to do is introduce the dog to the remote collar so they know what it is using positive reinforcement and using negative reinforcement. Uh, negative and positive, just so you guys know, if you're new to this podcast or new to my content in general, positive means adding, negative means taking something away. It doesn't mean smiley and frown. It means positive, add, negative, take away. And so we use po- we use positive reinforcement alongside of negative reinforcement to teach th- what the e-collar is and the dog understands it. And that way that becomes your wireless leash. So if you say dog come and they don't, you have the it's the only thing in the world that can hold the dog accountable off leash, period. Your dog says no, you're going to, yeah, I, I don't want you guys, I don't want you to feel like you have to be that person with a long line at the beach or running through the trails. You don't have to be. I've, I've reversed that so many times for people. You do in the beginning because you want to protect your dog. You want to keep your dog safe. You want to keep other people around you, not annoyed, whatever, but it doesn't always have to be that way. And that would be like the next step. So maybe the next couple podcasts will be something like that. Uh, so that's, um, what I would say about recall. You guys have to practice often in order for it to really make sense for your dog. You have to practice to a point where your dog is like, Oh, okay, this is clicking. Uh, and again, take your time. You know, I don't think that there should be any rush with this. I also think people get really frustrated. So remember, do it slowly, do it incrementally, do it, start building up your, your distractions, uh, in, I would say in um, der- in um, steps. So don't just go, oh, we recalled inside with nothing going on. Uh, I'm going to go uh, outside with another dog. You have to make sure you go in steps. It's very important. So thank you for listening. We're at the end of the podcast, and I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So make sure if you guys have questions, you can head over to the iTunes review chart and leave a review. Uh, so next one comes from RH River 555 Hi, Tom. You have no idea how many times I've changed this question. So I have two dogs, one blue healer, one German shepherd, and I don't have an e-collar or anything like that thinking about buying one and I don't want to do it wrong. Uh, And number reason number 14 is I don't have any money. (laughs) Sometimes my German shepherd will bark uh, at my children are playing on the trampoline and we tell him to go to the kennel. He listens. So I just don't know what else to do. It's over time. It's going to make him stop. If over time, it's going to make him stop going to the kennel or command. I don't want to use the kennel as punishment. I don't really know what else. Um, I don't know if I answered this question last time, but I feel like I might've, but really what you want to do is go right to the trampoline with the dog, like go with the trampoline with the dog, stop the behavior as it's happening. Don't try to counter with it. If your dog is barking in the kennel or you're worried about your dog having a negative association with the kennel, then hit it where it's happening. Don't try to avoid the situation. Don't try to say, hey, go to your kennel instead, because then your dog might say, well, kennel is bad. Just assertively put your dog on a leash, have the kids play on the trampoline, and then correct the dog when they bark. So the dog knows that trampoline's out, okay, nothing. Kids are out, okay, nothing. Kids start jumping on trampoline. The dog barks, we correct that. Nope, inappropriate. The dog stops barking. The dog watches the kids and the trampoline and then bouncing on the trampoline. The dog doesn't bark, and then you pay the dog. Classical operant conditioning. That's what I would do. Next one comes from Herding Dogs for Life. Five-star review. Very grateful. Thank you. Um, Hey, Tom, I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you. You have a gift and your drive and passion allows you to make a difference for people like me. I found your channel at a time of desperation as my vet was really pushing me to euthanize my two-year-old Corgi as rehoming was not ethical. Uh, Wow, this is... uh, This is... 
really sad. Um, as rehoming was an ethical, good decision. I was devastated, but I, I didn't feel right not doing it until I tried everything. Long story short, I binged all your free content via vid- videos and your podcast, and it really blows my mind the amount of information and help I was able to find just that. We are on a great path, and I hope to purchase your courses soon. Thank you so much. Next one comes from Maverick and Jania. Very knowledgeable five-star review. Hey, Tom, question for you. I've started listening to your podcast every morning during my morning routine. My best friend recommended you and others. She's a beginner dog trainer, phenomenal, and her IG is crazy underscore the underscore SD. She doesn't really promote it. She's resourced me to slip leashes before in a prong collar and any collar. I currently have a slip, and I'm trying to get him off the regular collar. My dog's Maverick. He's German Shepherd Pitbull. I rescued him uh, two months old in uh, North Carolina shelter. He's neutered. Uh, he's 90 pounds. He was living at my parents for a few months before I got settled into my apartment with my new job. They lived in the farm with plenty of acreage, and my boyfriend and parents kept saying, don't bring him to the apartment. Just keep him with all the land, and I agree, but my parents never kept up with my training, so they gave him the they they gave him the high life, sneaking food under the counter. They lived old age and styled life, and they knew nothing really how to train a dog in the first place. And my dog is a working dog, which scared me. Maverick stayed for those couple months until recently bringing him to my apartment. He seems to be good with change until a few months, knowing he's staying there, and it seems the new behaviors are kicked in. My family noticed that he doesn't really listen to anyone other than my mom and I, and I think the eye contact and respect we give him at the end of the day. His behavioral standpoints consist of he's stubborn when he gets bored and train. He's stubborn when he gets bored of training and then doesn't listen or stops smell on the ground for a long period of time while taking him on walks. He'd rather descent with no distractions. Sorry. He's rather decent with no distractions. He's better if a human passes by the dog. His hackles go up. Uh, he growls a little bit. I've never seen him bite anyone, and and I can redirect him the other way and reward if the dog is near and he thinks it's playtime if there's no obsessive smell on the ground. My solution, try to lure him out of the obsession by putting him to work. Um, putting him to work and whatever's in my pouch, I can help with that. I utilize that in training between I trust the leash down. He's He knows his sit down, stay. I walk 10 feet back, tell him to come. He does a front, but then I notice he gets bored and goes back to sniffing. Um, so this podcast will probably help with that because I've already gone over that. Don't do it too much. I tell him to stay and I put treats in the ground. He sits. I s- say search and he loves that. He turns to me when we're walking only when he wants turkey and knows to sit before I ask. The issue... I'm trying to find, okay, where am I? The issue, for instance, uh, is an obsessive smell. If there were a kid or a dog near, I have to I have to direct him the other way, and he lunges the opposite way and lunges to the smell where the smell is he finished. Um, okay, my goal is to have a dog that can follow and obey me that's not too far out of my sight without a leash and just use an e-collar. I can get my stuff done because I'm a busy person. I want to be able to travel with him. When I stayed at my mom's on the farm with the barrier of the trees, I had no problem with him because he knew that the boundaries, he respected me more, it seemed. I was easily able to call him off. I noticed he gets bored with lots of things. Question, here we go, here it is. So what I'm asking is what activity can I do to recall him that he obeys me after obsessive distraction he 
So this podcast is for you. This is literally, I, I didn't plan this. This is exactly it. I'm worried if I use the e-caller, he's not going, he's going to, he's going to get used to that and not obey me if I let him roam. I'm trying to keep him busy while I take my question. Okay. So the e-caller is enforcement and or conditioning with you and your voice. So you're going to have to take the e-caller course or work with a trainer to introduce the remote caller uh, because you don't want it. You're not trying to get him used to it. That's actually in pairing with your voice. Uh, the next question is, I want easy communication between him and I. What types of communication can I use for obsessive sniffer or reactive dog? The only communication I know is eye contact and hand gestures. Um, so this is uh, referring to the dragging and pulling. Um, it's your heel. So the reason why your dog is dragging you and pulling you is because your heel is not tight enough. Uh, we went over this in one of my recent uh, videos actually in Australia, I believe. And if your dog is pulling you, like this is the question that we get often. My dog is pulling me to, to sniff. Well, guess what? You're not going to stop your dog to sniff at all. That's what dogs do. Um, but what you can do is control what they do with the actual heel command. So you have to work on your better obedience in order to control your dog in these realistic situations. But it is going to be unrealistic for you to just say, hey, uh, I don't want you to sniff anymore. That's not going to be realistic. You have to make sure that your obedience is top tier in order to handle the situations around you. That's why we do obedience. Hey, Tom, I'm out with my dog and they pull to sniff everything. And the only thing I can do to distract them is uh, flash food in their face. Well, that's because your dog is breaking the heel until you break. So you have to make sure that you have a break command or release command and your heel is tight because you're not going to stop your dog from sniffing the ground. All right, people. Uh, I'm almost out of questions, so make sure you head over to the iTunes review chart if you want me to answer yours next episode. Thank you for listening. We're back on track. Back at you. Talk to you soon. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.